Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario. Welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do monthly here in two forms. First of all, I do it in a visual form on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, where it has a cool-looking visual, at least I think it's a cool-looking visual, with my kind of channel art and everything in the background there. So if you want to come over, check that out, have that visual running in the background, and even join in the conversation on the comments section, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, there's also a actual podcast version if you want to take this around and listen to it wherever you want to like well you would an actual podcast uh, listen to it at your computer in the car on the toilet wherever the hell you're going to listen to your favorite podcast and it's not available on all podcasting apps and platforms but it's available on most of them simply look up mario's minute and you should hopefully be able to find it now, this is just a podcast where it's super laid back. I do it once a month, and I really just talk about whatever the hell I want to. Sometimes I have a guest on here. Sometimes I don't. And I've tried to alternate it every other month. And this month, I was able to get a guest on here. So he's been a dude I've known for a bit. Uh, there's been people who have asked about this as well, too. Uh, but, you know, as I always say to my guest, who the hell are you? Hello. I am Josh Davidson, otherwise known as Octal450, and I am an electronics hobbyist and a Xbox 360 technician. I think that's a great way to summarize yourself. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty well tonight. Got a bunch of work done. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. It's just it's been a busy week overall. We're recording this, uh, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, at least here in the U.S. And then this is going to be releasing right before. So maybe some people will be chewing some turkey and everything <laughs> when they're going to be listening to this. But absolutely. Yeah, yeah I yes. know myself. I'll be driving down to see some family. So you have any plans for Thanksgiving? Uh, I do have some plans. Yeah, I'm going to be hanging out with family as well, too. So it's just awesome. a nice homey family time and probably looking to see what games and all that stuff are all in sales. So I don't know how that's really going to work out, not just with like the game stuff, but also just how <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the electronics market <laughs> yeah, yeah. is a little shit right now. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that, too. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. I mean, some things have good prices, but other things are just through the roof. It's It's been insane. I've been a, it's been affected in almost every industry that I've exactly. looked at. Exactly, exactly. And it's not just even the industrial stuff. It's even just, you know, like the demand for everything is there oh, as yeah. well, too. And the supply can't really keep up. So I know, like, for example, like at the beginning, you know, like this is beginning by as in like pandemic. It was like March, April, May 2020. Um, I know video games are just like at skyrocketing prices because everyone's <laughs> yeah. at home and they just want to play their old games. It's like, well, I'm at home doing nothing. And it was actually like people were buying up expensive games because that makes sense. Like you have all this time, you have some extra money. Why not? Um, but now at this point, right. it's just kind of everything has been going up just slowly, steadily. Or even so, I know the people who are working on like people who work on component related stuff, like such as you, I'm sure you've had your stuff go up in price as well, too, even just to either order or build components. Oh, yeah, everything has gone up. And some of the stuff from China is actually OK, which is surprising. But the stuff in the U.S., a lot of the stuff has gone up in price. I actually didn't even think that would happen. But I guess as more people are at home using their stuff, more things are breaking. And I guess the demand is going up for parts. That's the only thing I can think about. But um, yeah, it's really affected everything. I mean, even people selling things privately on Facebook, things are more expensive than they used to be. I used mm -hmm. to be able to pick up a good amount of things for $20 two years ago. But these days... 
you look twenty dollars, you're barely gonna get anything. At least in my area, maybe it's different oh, somewhere else. But cool, so over here, it's crazy. That just sounds like the long, long ago. I actually did want to ask because I know, I mean, when you work on consoles and everything, like I'm sure you pick up scrap consoles and all that stuff. But like getting like original Xboxes or Xbox 360s, about how much has that gone up in price for you if you're just getting like a base system? Uh, well, I'll tell you, back in 2019, I was getting, what I would do is I would go out on the weekends usually and I'd drive around to five or six towns and just pick up loads of systems there. And you could get systems for 10 to $20 in decent condition that just need a little bit of cleaning. But when the pandemic started, now you can barely do that. The prices are so high that you're, you're honestly better off getting a system off eBay for 50 to $60 or more. It's pretty insane. And uh, at least with the Xbox, another thing I'm running into is a lot of people that are selling the consoles are selling them in horrible condition. You're not finding as many people willing to part with their systems during these times because I guess they're at home more. So most of the systems you see are very dirty and are very scratched up and just not in great shape. Um, I assume it's like that with other consoles too, but it's been crazy. Sure, sure. I I believe that. I haven't really been... I haven't really been to game shops. Unfortunately, my area, there's not really any local game shops anymore. Um, even uh, like yeah. thrift stores, I don't really frequent them as often, but I really don't see that much hardware. And even if I do, it's it's still kind of up there in price. So I, I can agree with that. I've gotten lucky a few times, like finding a few video games that are in like, you know, decent shape, like decent price and everything. So that's been okay. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just also everybody's what you were doing it seems like a lot more people are doing that as well too (laughs) yeah everything's gone up and especially i mean having so many people home from work there's been a lot of cool things actually coming out one thing that's really caught my eye is actually the the college football revamped mod oh um, that's been recent now i am not a sports gamer at all i'm not really even a big sports person in general but i gotta say that that when I was playing the game and testing it out, I actually was pretty intrigued by that mod. It was kind of cool to be able to have this video game version and have the real teams and stuff. That well, that was pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a few other pro- cool projects that have been going on recently, so that's definitely put up the demand. But yeah, you're right. The stores are it's crazy. The only thing we had around here was a GameStop, and I'm pretty sure it's gone now. I'm not, actually not what? sure. I haven't been there in a bit, but I think they closed. And well, that's disappointing. Yeah, there's probably a few more farther away. But I'll tell you this much. Um, back in 19, I mean, it was at the point where I would walk into the GameStop and the guy would already know what I was there for. I mean, it, and now it's like I never go to them at all. So it's it's really changed everything in terms of mm-hmm. what you buy, whether it's games, controllers, consoles. I mean, it's, it's all changed. For sure. I, I do miss the times where you can go into a thrift shop and it's just like, oh, there's like a stack of original Xboxes that are in pretty okay oh, shape. Yeah. And each of them is like five or seven dollars. And I'm just like, I'm getting all of these. Yeah, uh, my uh, <laughs> friend of mine is near a thrift shop and he's found consoles there for like five dollars. I think he even found a JTAGable Jasper there once. And Dude, the, the, that's the stuff insane. You can find, the stuff <laughs> I you miss can that. find at those. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, I, it wasn't a Jasper, but I actually got a J taggable Xenon from a friend of mine. We're getting this. It was like, um, it wasn't, it it was her brother's console. That was it. This is like 
probably about 10 years ago. This one I was in college. It was her brother's console. Wow. He had bought a new one a few years prior. The old one, it red ringed. It was dead, whatever. And this thing was in near perfect shape because like it didn't look great, right? Like it needed a cleaning and it had like this like stupid skin on it. But I took the skin off, cleaned it. It was great. I opened <laughs> it up. Thankfully, the family didn't smoke, but it was like full of dust and dirt and everything. Blew oh, it out. Man. Then I turned it on. It booted up green. <laughs> turned off turned it on again booted up green and i text her i'm like hey this xbox works like what's going on and she's like oh ha, it sucks to be him you can keep it it's fine <laughs> uh, uh, that's then a lucky I, fine yeah then i hooked it up to my tv and there was blades dash on there i'm just like oh my oh, god yeah. like i've been wanting one of these for so long and it's like you just had it like in the corner of your house <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's that's lucky did you yes. end up modding it or just? Yes, yes. Of, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a similar story, actually. That's how I got into the consoles themselves. Um, at the time, I was dating a girl that had a bunch of old tech in her basement. I don't remember why, but uh, one of them was an old Zephyr 360, and I got it. I was trying to fix it, and I didn't know how, and that was what really piqued my interest in the 360 was learning how to fix it. And uh, that ended up being not JTAGable, but it was, I think, the Connect dashboards or something earlier. And um, I think I still have that console. That was that's, it was a pretty cool system. And yeah, I mean, what you're saying about the dust, you'll find crazy things in those Xboxes. Some, some mm -hmm. of them will have this very light dust that just wipes away or blows away. And then you get the thick brown stuff. I'm sure you've experienced that. It's yeah. just horrible. The worst is the ones that come, I think you can agree, the worst is the ones that come from smokers' homes oh, where yeah. all the tar and nicotine gets in there, and then all the dust and dirt sticks to all of that, and then you probably have roaches in there as well, too, because they find this, like, nice, comfy, warm, dirty place <laughs> to get into that the humans can't disturb them. I hate it so much. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, I literally, when I get systems like that, I take the plastics all the plastic pieces and just hose them down with soap. It's just not even worth cleaning by hand because it will never come off. But yeah. the hose, hose and soap, that works. It's crazy how much gets in there. But uh, it always amuses me when you get like a console where the owner hasn't used the disk drive much and you have a disgusting console and then you open the disk drive and the disk drive looks brand new and always <laughs> makes me laugh even years later. <laughs> You know, I haven't really run into that. I've more been on the opposite where it's like the, really? the, the console is dirty and stuff. And then I open up the disk drive and it's even worse. It's like a jungle is in there of dirt and grime. And it's just like all the brown stuff has clumped together and is hanging off. And there's been a few consoles. I'm like, I don't even want to salvage the disk drive. It's so bad. Oh, that bad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've had yeah. some bad disk drives, but never worse than the console. That's something I'm glad I've avoided <laughs> it's happened to me a handful of times wow. and i'm just like that is disgusting it's so bad wow yeah, that's it's, insane it, and it, it's telling too because i've worked on enough systems where i'm like i could like open up a person's system and i can tell how the environment <laughs> is and maybe even their lifestyle just from that system oh like, absolutely when i opened up like my ps4 pro like the one i have in my basement for example there was a little bit of dust in there because yeah i'm not the best with dusting and there was like maybe like a few dog furs in there because surprise surprise i have a dog <laughs> that doesn't stop shedding but i don't smoke i don't have a super filthy area so it was fine for the most part yeah, that's that's something interesting. And I think 
I will say this though, I did have a few consoles that I got that had dead bugs just everywhere. Yeah. And I've actually, you know, told the owner, hey, like this is your console, right? And I was, it's at that point where you're thinking, please let this person have picked up the console from like a salvage yard or something. Please tell me people don't live like this. And luckily those few times, those guys always said, oh yeah, I picked the console up from, you know, it was sitting in a shed or something, right? Because I'm thinking, oh, if you have that many bugs in your console i can't even imagine what's on your shelf you know that, that's just me personally i mean i'm a, I'm a neat freak i dust my computers and all that every few months i, I can't stand dust but uh that's an extreme yeah um i i think we've talked about this but have we talked about like uh, this the story there's an old video of mine where i was talking about um the xbox 360 slim we got in at the game shop i used to work at in high school and it was like shortly after the slim came out and it was just like infected full of bugs that were literally jumping out of it oh geez were they alive they were alive man there was multiple and they were pissed off that we were shaking the system like you just touched it and like those bugs were making noises and everything yeah did did you ever did did I ever share this with you or not? I don't think you have. <laughs> so I'll have to link the video to you, and I'm thinking of even remaking it at one point. But in short, yeah, we got like a slim, and like the kid calls up, and he's just like, yeah, so it's making like weird noises, and it keeps overheating. And it was like maybe like six months after the slim came out, and it looked good. Like when they took it out of the bag, it looked fine, and then they showed it to me at an angle and I could see bugs running across the inside through the fan vent. Oh, jeez! And I told them there's bugs in your system. They didn't know what I meant. I was like, there's bugs in your system. They look it's- down. <laughs> I swear it's something like a movie, man. They look down. Bugs jumped out of the system and onto the glass countertop. I was working by myself. Wow. I don't like bugs. I don't fuck with bugs. So I'm just like freaking out and everything. There, it was like two teenagers and a mom. Like the teenagers are laughing. The mom just has like a smile on her face. And even like at one point, she was just like, oh yeah, while you were over on the other side, another bug came out, but we killed it. And I was like, why do y'all think this is, why, why <laughs> This is funny, like this? oh my God. It's not even just that it's funny. I'm like, you all are not phased by it. You all are acting like this is normal. And the thing is on that video, the, the worst and most telling thing about it is there's many people who they, they agree that thing is disgusting, like in the comment section. And then I've noticed that there's been a few people who then get offended by my descriptions, by my reactions and everything. And I've just realized, like, you know, looking at my comments over the years, it's like, these people are mad because they live this way. And I'm on camera shocked and offended and appalled and disgusted at how these people are probably living. They're probably typing out these angry comments on a keyboard that has, like, roly-polies underneath it. Uh, I've been lucky to never see a live bugs in a console, but I tell you, if I had something like that, I would have probably jumped. I mean, I did. I don't I did. mind bugs that much. I mind them when they're unexpected. So like if I'm opening a console, expecting it to be clean and stuff, and then a bunch of bugs jumped out, oh man, that would have been startling. <laughs> I'm telling you, they were literally jumping out. It was bad. I'll tell you this. I would never leave a system like that in my house. Because Good. I don't want to risk that being, you know, infested. That's, I think, the one thing that I will not clean besides bodily fluids off someone's Ew. console um, is bugs. It's just not worth the risk of an infestation. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I'll take it outside if it's not too bad and just clean it out there. But if it's crawling with alive bugs, man, 
what did you do with that? I'm actually really curious. Uh, so we, I, I was like saying it was gross and all that stuff. And like, typically we would just like, write. I didn't want to touch a thing. And then the family <laughs> was even like, Hey, why don't you put it in a bag? You might want to actually double bag it. So I fucking double bag this thing, put like the, uh, the piece of paper on there that says like, Hey, Xbox 360 belongs to this person, contact information, warning, bugs, bugs, <laughs> bugs. And I set it on the back table, like where, or the stack where we had, you know, consoles to fix for customers. We had two technicians there. One of them, I warned him about it. He's like, oh, I'm not touching that. I'm passing it to the other. Like, I, I think <laughs> the first guy, he was just like, yeah, no, uh, we're going to give it to the main tech to do because I'm not touching that. The main tech came in. He looked at He's like, I'm not touching that shit either. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, we got, we, like, are we going to fix this or what? And it just sat there. And it sat there like almost all summer. It was like over two months. And then I just asked one day because I was like going through the inventory. I'm like, are we going to fix this shit or not? And they said no. So I called up the um, – I-, I was petty about it, okay? I called <laughs> I up you. the customer, and it was the-, the kid that I originally talked to. And he was like, – I say kid. He was like 14, 15 probably. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is you know me from Video Game Shop calling about your Xbox 360. He's like, oh, yes, yes, what about? I was like, yeah, we're sorry. Your t- the techs are not going to be looking at it. So sorry we've held it for so long, but we're not going to be fixing it for you. And I, I honestly I- – I got – it it was there. It was my revenge. It was my revenge getting that because they brought this nasty system in. There's bugs everywhere jumping out of it. They're laughing about my reactions to it. We held the system for two months, and then I got to call them and say, "We're not fixing your nasty shit." <laughs> yeah, that um, that's. I mean, I don't blame you at all. I would have. I don't, I wouldn't fix something like that either. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised they were laughing at you. I mean, that's that's shocking i mean it's it's one thing if you are disgusted by it but like unless you live that way i can't see anyone finding that amusing to just have bugs jumping out of electronics that's that's crazy to me and that's why i'm saying that's why i'm saying that this was very much a thing where like I could tell how their household was just from the hardware and i could tell how they lived uh, the venom in your voice really says it all. <laughs> Dude, it w- that's one of the most disgusting systems I've ever come across. Oh, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I have a rule. Like, if if I can tell the guy just picked it up somewhere, and you can usually tell in how they respond, even if they don't say it, you know, you can tell whether they seem like they knew the console was in such a state or not. And, I mean, I'll try to help him out. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll just give him a replacement board if I have one lying around or something. You know, I'll try to help people out. But if someone is laughing at you because you're saying you're not touching something disgusting like that, like, no. Like, with all due respect, get fucked. I mean, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line. <laughs> that That's respectable, sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm lucky I never encountered alive bugs, only dead ones. So Good. I'm going to hope it pray it stays that way. Yeah. But I mean, the majority of the systems I get in are just a little dusty and not too bad. Th- that's so. how it should be, especially with how old they are. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the reasons I also hope that more right to repair starts going through because, you know, the Xbox, if you just look at it, there's no clear way how to get into it. You have to know where the release tabs are, right? So you're I, talking about the 360, just the 360, for anybody who's uninitiated here. Yeah. yeah, and a few other consoles that I've you know seen throughout the years. I mean, they 
some of them have, you know, the normal screws under the rubber feet, but I've seen multiple systems and laptops and things where you just can't tell how to get into them. Mm-hmm. And of course, these people can't clean their consoles because they can't figure out how to get into it. If you had a simpler way to, to open the system, you could probably clean it out pretty easily with just some compressed air or even, I mean, if you wanted to get really jank, you could probably even do it with a leaf blower. And um, that would that would prevent so much dust and dirt. And, have, have people done that, the leaf blower thing? Oh, I've seen it done. I've seen people oh do god. that. <laughs> I guess it works, sure, but oh my god. Yeah, it's, it's not just... a great idea with the static, no. but... No, it's not. Yeah, yeah I mean... I really do think that there's a big advantage to people being able to open the systems up easier. I mean, unless you're stupid, I don't think anyone's going to go randomly touching things and trying to break it. So I really Mm -hmm. think people should be able to open the consoles and clean them out properly and, um, you know, not have to have the system get so dirty. So then eventually it either overheats or when someone has to service it, it's just a mess of dirt. You know, even I'm sure you know about this, but I know all these warranty seals that these consoles have had. Mainly, I, oh, I don't yeah. think they're on the newer generation, like ninth gen. I don't believe so. But all the older systems that had um, warranty stickers on them, like 360, PS3, even I guess Wii, we can say, because it had it didn't have a sticker per se, but it had like stickers at the bottom of the system, like little white uh, square stickers. Uh, yeah. those were like those have been illegal like they they were illegal for i want to say at least one or two decades prior but it just wasn't really enforced so that's why you kind of see on newer systems where they are not going to like the switch for example does not have a warranty seal on it and even when it comes to right to repair it's very much like unless you have done something like when you were in the system and like you yourself damaged it, if you were just opening up the system, cleaning it, maintaining it, putting it back together, like they can't turn down that repair. Yeah. And I think the thing with the warranty stickers is, you know, they can be a good tool to find out whether someone's been in the system, which can be very useful for diagnostic. If you don't know what's wrong with the system, but you know, somebody did something, that already may change your, the way you approach the problem versus mm-hmm. where if the system was working fine and then just one day died. But I agree, you know, as they've been illegal, I mean, they should not be used as a, okay, you broke the warranty. Now we're not going to offer you service. That should definitely not be done. But I, I do think they're fine as long as they're just being used as an additional tool to see whether the system has been tampered with. And, you know, it doesn't really change that much. At the end of the day, if the technician is competent, he's going to find out exactly what the problem is with the system, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's broken because it died randomly or whether it died because someone poked around with a screwdriver, you know, he'll find out what the problem is. So the seal really is just an indicator of whether someone was in there. And I think that's fine. But the moment it starts being used as a, okay, if you break the seal, we either won't offer you repair or we'll charge you an insane amount or do anything that is silly like that, then I think that crosses the line. Mm -hmm. And very much the other thing with rights to repair as well, too. It's like, okay, well, I even want to fix this myself. So even if I'm going to void the warranty, that's cool. Can you just give me a legitimate like legitimate method of if you can provide some schematics some documentation over you know opening up the system how to replace certain things and even if i can just buy the parts off of big company that produces consoles like that would be great like hey that 
like the the xbox let's say the the blu-ray drive goes out on there it's like cool i feel like i'm at home i can open this up i can confidently take it apart even if i mess something up that's my own responsibility it's all good hey microsoft could i just purchase a replacement blu-ray drive yeah that's that's that would be an awesome thing and i think the first step will definitely be parts and maybe the service manuals because we know the service manuals are already sent out to certain companies um, that are authorized to repair them and that just shows you know how to get into the system the basic things um, I think that will be the first step I think schematics will be a little bit harder but that would be awesome if those could get out too and uh, yeah you're completely right the availability of parts directly from the manufacturer would be a great thing not only for people to replace parts but it also means people don't have to buy counterfeit parts um, yep. A lot of times you either can't tell if parts are genuine very easily or they, I mean, they have some pretty good clones coming out in China. I've seen some, some chips that you can't tell that these are clone chips unless you specifically look at the exact model number on the chip. Maybe there's a slight difference. Um, but, and some of them are even the same. You can't tell at all. So you don't know if you're getting a clone chip that's going to die in two months or something from the real manufacturer. So I think it would be awesome if we could, get those parts reliably, um, especially if you're a shop that's doing those things professionally. Mm -hmm. And just even, it goes even so much deeper than that too. I know, of course, like big shout out to uh, Lewis Rossman, but oh, yeah. uh, he has one of my favorite examples of this where he's a, you know, just computer technician, everything. And that's putting it lightly, but he has <laughs> said that like, I don't, of course, I'm going to forgive me. I'm going to mess up the model numbers and all that stuff, but I'm just going to generalize it here. There is a newer MacBook Pro, I believe, and there is a chip that can go out on there. And he right. found the chip. He isolated it. Is it? It is a Texas Instruments chip, and he couldn't find it anywhere else. So he figured it all out. He went to Texas Instruments. He tried to purchase it, and they said, sorry, even though you know this exact chip and everything, and it's not Apple that manufactures it, it's us. We cannot sell it to you because we have an exclusive contract with Apple only to sell this chip to Apple. So therefore, the only way he can get a hold of that chip is by getting a hold of another MacBook Pro, hopefully one that's damaged in a different way, and salvaging the chip off of the broken MacBook Pro to then fix the current broken MacBook Pro that he's trying to repair. Yeah, exactly. And, and that type of thing really frustrates me, especially since there is not really a good reason for that chip to be kept um, not being able to be sold. It'd be one thing if there were like clones coming out everywhere, but that isn't the case. I'm not aware of any clone MacBook motherboards or anything like that happening. So um, as far as I can tell, the only reason why that chip is not available is simply to prevent the ability for third parties to repair the product, which I don't really like considering that Apple, you know, brands themselves as saying environmentally friendly. So they should really be <laughs> allowing us to have an easier time repairing their products because, you know, you can't repair the product. It's going in the garbage bin. So I don't know how I feel about that. That's that's an interesting problem. And yeah. yeah, it'd be awesome if we could get those chips. And the other thing is, obviously, when you're salvaging parts, you have no idea if they work or not. And I've run mm -hmm. into this issue on the Xbox, too. Some, some parts, it's just not um, economical to get from China. So you salvage them, and you don't know if they work. And you put it on the board, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. It's a toss-up almost every time, since the other board's broken, and you can't fully test it. But... Yeah, it's a real shame, and I really hope that Right to Repair becomes a bigger and more successful movement. Yes, well, the good thing is, I mean, it's been passed and everything, and now yeah. it just has to be enforced, so that's why, I mean, we're seeing, I believe, 
didn't Microsoft start releasing schematics for, I believe, the Xbox One? Was that it? Or am I misremembering? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Okay, I believe they released some schematics, and I know like this is right when we're recording this right now. It was that would be awesome. in the last day or so. Um, Apple is now opening up, you know, third party repair a bit more, but it's only limited right now in terms of like, you know, right to repair and such. It's really only limited to like the iPhone 12 and 13. Yeah, and I would be interested to see how that Apple program progresses. I'm sure that most people, if you follow Right to Repair, heard about the uh, independent repair program they made and the complete failure of that um, and that it didn't really provide anything and took away technicians' permissions to do other repairs. So I'm hoping that they do it right this time. And I mean, I don't like to hold grudges. If they do it right, I will be very, very happy with Apple. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would love to see them take a lead and show other manufacturers that are doing anti-right-to-repair practices or anti-repair practices that, no, we can design thin and sexy devices that can also be repaired. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't mind taking a heat gun. If you want me to open the phone, that's fine. Just let me buy the parts I need. Let me sure. access the tools I need, and then let me figure it out. You know, that's And that's how it's been in the past, and I really hope it gets that way in the future again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I really don't like mobile repair. Uh, the most I've done, I mean, I've replaced batteries on my phones. It is annoying doing that, but it's always oh, a thing yeah. where it's like, yeah, I recognize if I mess up, it's my own thing. So even when I've done it for others, I'm like, all right, are you sure you want me to do it? Cool. Let's get the parts. Make sure your shit's backed up and let's make sure you also have a backup phone on deck in case this goes south. And then it always works, thankfully, but still. <laughs> Yeah, that's good on you for doing that. And um, yeah, mobile repair is not my favorite thing to do either. Luckily, I've not had to do it too much, um, especially the parts are way smaller than in typical laptops. um, And uh, that's not fun. But uh, yeah, it would be great to get the parts for all types of devices, even if it's, you know, something from a game console to a laptop to a phone, cars, it'd be great to get that stuff Mm -hmm. easier. Mm -hmm. the only thing that you run into in terms of the world of game consoles is that you know there's certain things that are keyed so like for example like with the with the xbox 360 and beyond again if you want to replace the blu-ray drive um they're not i really doubt that microsoft's ever going to release the programs to re-key a uh, blu-ray drive to that matching system right there so i wonder if they would only sell the disk drive itself without the daughter board on there and in instructions say you have to swap the daughter board from the old blu-ray drive to the new one it's an interesting ethical question i think um because you know a computer and a laptop and a phone assumes that the user wants to keep the device safe and not attack it whereas with a game console Microsoft and Sony and all the other companies are assuming that the user is trying to hack the Xbox or the system, right? Sure. So I think a way around it might just be, you know, Microsoft, obviously, if they were, for example, selling replacement disk drives, they have a very easy way to pair the disk drive. They don't have to do our little method of booting Zell and grabbing the key and all that. They have all the tools they need. So I don't really understand why it, they could not just sell the disk drive program. You would send them your serial number. They have your key vault. They can see your DVD key. Oh, they should be, nice. be able to just send you a drive with the serial on it. Now, maybe that's too much work. 
And I mean, in that case, as you said, you can swap the daughter board, but I mean, it's not impossible to do those things. Yeah. And, and even the thing is as well too, with that all, it's like, well, what if the daughter board is fried right. in some way, yeah, then which what do can do? certainly happen as well too. So it's like, well, even if I swap the daughter board, well, the daughter board is the actual issue. So I need to pull the key and get it flashed onto a working daughter board. Oh yeah. And that's uncommon, thankfully, but I've run yeah. into that several times where the, the board, the controller on board is just shot. And I think mm -hmm. in some of the early drives, you were actually okay because the flash chip was separate from the controller. So you could swap the controller. But when they started mm -hmm. exploring the security, Microsoft merged them together. And uh, yeah, that put an end to that. Mm -hmm. So that's always annoying, especially on the slims where the, you know, you got to buy the PCB or you got to find one and unlock it. And it's much more of a pain to do. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 in, it's an interesting problem. And uh definitely harder to figure out than for example just selling um like a pwm driver chip or something like that sure sure i do know of um there was it was actually my former boss it was from the game shop i guess he kind of had a little bit of like a game store mentor in like a friend of his who ran a game shop in california so he went out there a few times saw it was being done even bought like a rework machine off him and all that oh, stuff wow. And yeah, I mean, he was doing console repair. He was doing it properly. But I remember for because my boss actually asked me to show him and I had shown him this and everything um, just in terms of flashing drives. And I don't think he ever used it. I think he forgot the knowledge and he just didn't use it. <laughs> he was he was swapping daughter boards, but he was like, no, like my friend over in California, he does something like he he doesn't. I, he was shocked that I was swapping the boards because he just hooks them up to his computer and he does something to reprogram them. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Unless... it wasn't. It was. It was legitimate though. Like, as in, it wasn't like a Microsoft tool. I'm sure it was Jungle Flasher and stuff. But like, legit, as in, like he wasn't flashing custom firmware to the drives. Like he was like, in order to you know replace with like a fresh drive or something, he was just pulling the key off one and then flashing it to the other. Yeah, yeah, and all the stock firmwares are around. So I imagine he was just doing something, as you said, like Jungle Flasher and. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, that must have seemed pretty amazing at the time when those mm -hmm. things were not so widely known just to hear wait you can you can reflash these what yeah. i mean that you must have been pretty great incredible you can program them what <laughs> especially for a system that was unhackable by design you know mm -hmm. I'm sure you all remember <laughs> those quotes <laughs> gotta love that uh, yeah I... microsoft really shot themselves in the foot with the 360 and it, it kind of amuses me how simple of a mistake it would have been to prevent um, for mm -hmm. those of you that are not aware, the reason RGH is unpatched is because their updated bootloader, when they split it into two stages on the fat models, and the slim one was already like this, yep. they later updated it. And when they updated it, they made the mistake that the CBA, which is the first bootloader that the system runs after the CPU's bootloader, doesn't ever check the fuses. So the fuses that they created to lock down the security were completely irrelevant and um unfortunately Very for nice. them um even though they did encrypt it with the cpu key uh unfortunately for them the unencrypted manufacturing bootloader leaked out from the factory as everything leaks in time you know <laughs> and that's the end of it we can now launch that bootloader on any xbox and um if someone ever does find a way to do fault injection on a winchester it would work there too um that's forever going to be an exploit here so i, I just find that to be very amusing mm-hmm yeah, I, I will say, though, I mean, even in terms of it, like, I'll at least respect the Xbox 360 that like it's still 
remained pretty secure as in like yeah oh, people yeah. are gonna say okay you can flash the dvd drive you can rgh all that stuff and like i get that by that i mean there's there's nothing you can do like you can't just do like a usb exploit or something oh absolutely and yeah. not too familiar with the exact kernel security um about how that works but i know that um that type of soft mod exploit has been looked at for so long and no one has found now maybe someday someone will find a bug in the hypervisor that allows it but i don't think the usb ports are even initialized during the bootloader stage so you'd have to find some privilege execution for the hypervisor or something like that um, Mm -hmm. to get access i'm not the best with that type of software security but i imagine it would have to be a pretty big exploit to find and we'll mm-hmm. see how long Microsoft's still updating the 360. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see. I know they're kind of just doing like the just the almost like the basic like kernel updates on there and such. Yeah. But like in terms of any type of security updates like to the system itself, there's nothing there. Like the Winchester motherboard, which I'm sure that motherboard is moddable and hackable, but that was just the last one that came out so much like so late in the uh, consoles life cycle that like yeah. all the big teams and players that had the research and development money it just wasn't worth it to them to get into it yeah and i did just realize that uh even if they updated it to patch something it would kind of be irrelevant because we can we can launch the older bootloaders anytime we want <laughs> since that leaked so there's not much they could probably do and i think it's been what two years since they've given a kernel update the other updates were just server side Oh, boy, um, I'm really trying to think. Yeah, because yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I think during this whole pandemic, that's how I think of things, pre-pandemic, <laughs> during pandemic. It's like during this whole pandemic, there has not been a kernel update for the 360. Yeah, that's that's shocking. But I mean, it makes sense. I guess they're phasing out several online services. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of makes sense. But I, yeah. I guess for Winchester... I think most people gave up when they saw that RGH is just not possible. Um, they sure. real they fixed using reset to do that completely in the CPU. It's just completely ignored. And if you manage to trigger it, then so it's it's kind of hard to explain at least right now for me because I'm a little tired. But um, the <laughs> yeah, I have theory, you up late. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, the current theory of what they did is that they're latching the reset signal. So every time the reset signal goes low, they're latching it for a certain amount of time. So it means the pulse will always be too long to cause the glitch to occur. And if you miss that, then it will just be ignored entirely. So whatever type of hack you would have to do for that CPU, it's not going to be a reset glitch. Now, it could be something like a brownout glitch with power. It would have to be something totally different because a reset glitch is not going to work. And I think that just discouraged a lot of people from working on it since they... uh, you know, they'd have to start almost from scratch. And that's that's no small feat. I mean, the people who figured out RGH, geniuses. Those guys mm-hmm. were absolutely into, incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I, I do have to ask, I'm, I'm just wanting your opinion on this, but in terms of the world of RGH and all that stuff, I, I guess what's been your favorite thing in terms of either like an accomplishment or a development or what's going on here? Uh, I would have to say my favorite thing was in total may have been the moment that i realized that there was pll bypass on the slim that was probably one of my favorite moments and uh just the time developing the 1.2 slim exploit was so much fun for me i really enjoyed every second of it and um that was i think one of the favorite things i've ever done 
um, was get was work on that. That's been absolutely so much fun to work on. And uh, I mean, I, I was really surprised that nobody else had found that point previously. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe people just didn't try, didn't believe it was there, but you know, I guess nothing stays hidden forever. <laughs> sure. But that's, sure. that's just been an awesome accomplishment of mine and I'm, I'm really proud of it. And I hope people have been enjoying those firmwares and I'm really excited to see uh, what other things are in the 360 that may not be found. Maybe they'll be found by me or someone else who knows. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really cool system for me. And one of the only ones that has my attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's what like that, that's what, and you're talking about rgh 1.2 on slims right yeah yes yeah and for, for anybody who doesn't know this was a type of modification a variant of the reset glitch hack that was uh really only on the fat systems before and it was like i mean josh you can always correct me if i'm wrong i'm trying <laughs> to just kind of boil this down here but you had rgh1 where you were like glitching the system and you were able to get it to boot unsigned code but then after, at least on the FATs, after a um, certain firmware update or kernel update, that's when it ended up getting patched. So if you updated your system stock past that certain kernel update, it couldn't take RGH1. RGH2 came out, but it wasn't as nice for glitching and everything like glitch times and all that stuff. And then we got 1.2, which it's essentially wiring it up, like boiling it down, but like it just resets much faster the timings are different and you're wiring it up like a rgh1 system but you're building a rgh2 image for it yeah so with the original fat rgh1 um yeah you were almost exactly spot on there by the way um i didn't hear anything wrong uh so the rgh1 original hack it exploited the bootloader called the cd and that so and at the point where they exploited, you would slow down right before you exploit the CPU, before you send your pulse of ground. And the reason why, well, it's not ground, sorry, it's a lo- it pulls the signal down low. And the reason why that, that worked is the previous step was very short. So when the CPU slows down 128 times at the previous post bit, there's enough time to get into the point where we glitch and then we can speed up and the console will boot. So on the slim systems, obviously they didn't have PLL bypass, so they could not do that exploit there. And also the the main reason for that is the bootloaders were different on the slims. They used the split bootloaders on the slims right from the beginning. So that Mm -hmm. exploit didn't even work. So they developed RGH2, which slowed down the uh, CPU using something called I2C. I won't ramble on about that. I could go on for hours about that. Um, And it didn't slow down nearly as much. So it was a similar attack. We slow down the CPU, we wait for a post, and then we glitch the CPU, we speed up, and we boot. Then uh, the problem that happened was eventually the FATS also got updated to that split CB to patch the RGH1 hack. And the problem was, now you have to do RGH2, because if you try to use PLL bypass on a glitch 2 image, the CPU would slow down so much that it would never get into the point where we glitch. It would take so long that the Xbox would reset and try again. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't do that. And then 15432, in his crazy ways, uh, tried just putting an artificial delay into the glitch ship code that just delays it for about a 410 milliseconds. And that's perfect. So then it slows down glitches and continues just like uh, the old RGH one hack, except 
we glitch much earlier in the boot process so we can do everything with much more control and gotcha. especially what we can do. And, and that came yeah, it's like, an awesome, awesome the, uh, find. The cool thing is, I mean, RGH 1.2, it came out like, yes, in my opinion, like so much later into the Xbox 360 modding life cycle. But it was really cool because at the time it was something that was eventually ported over to like all the glitch chips. But even yeah. so, like what was impressive was that it was working on like cheap chips and clone chips as well, too. So it's like, oh, you can just pick up a like a three, four dollar glitch chip and it works really well. Yeah, and there were a few tricks that they used to do that. And so the team executor relied really heavily on using resistors and capacitors to tune the boot times, which is a good method. Um, but obviously, I, you have these really complicated chips. I remember very that, though. I didn't like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure you remember the dip switches on the CR3 and all Yeah, that. yeah. I remember all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was... You know, it's a good system, but um, what would happen is with some time, people found out that you didn't have to do all that. Um, they used different crystals. So at first they were running the glitch at 96 megahertz using the 48 megahertz signal from the board. And uh, you can double any clock signal freely with the way that the glitch ship timing works. And they were doing that. And that was, you know, not too great. I'm sure you remember the... Uh, wrapping the wire around the x clamp god damn it yes i do you yeah. are just bringing back just all, to delay all. it for a few nanoseconds <sighs> and that that was pretty crazy but what they started doing is they put faster oscillators on the chips so for mm -hmm. example they would put a 96 megahertz or a 100 megahertz oscillator on the chip and then you could glitch at 192 or 200 megahertz and that gave you enough control that you could build good rgh2 timings without needing all those resistors and capacitors you could you could ballpark it close enough that it would boot pretty good now of course sure. the winner of all of this was the ace v3 with the 150 megahertz crystal which works at 300 that thing you have so much control that you can you can boot any board with no problem on that thing and the ace mm -hmm. chip is really great um, for that reason but I, yeah. yeah i agree with you there those i didn't like using all the caps oh. and all that either a lot of that as well, too, is that that was all very much like deep into the heyday of it. And like these chips were being released and revised as there was new developments Absolutely. going on. So that's why there was so I mean, also, OK, a part of it was also, hey, that's how you keep the monetization going. That's how you keep the income coming <laughs> yeah. in. Like, I'm not I'm not going to be oblivious. Like, I get that. But also all this stuff was kind of it was just like, hey, as soon as there's a new development, boom, new chip, new chip, new method, new chip. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was rapid progress. And every time somebody made a change to the bootloaders, you know, they'd have to tweak the timing and so on. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it was a fun time. And I wish I had been around more back then. But uh, the history yeah, was, of the scene is real awesome. I was actually going to ask when you jumped in, because I know like I so I personally like I jumped in the 316. I was aware of it, but I jumped in like 2011 with a flash DVD drive and like 2012 with the RGH. Uh, well, I did, I did mod a console for a friend of mine. I'm pretty sure it was a Corona RGH2. I don't remember, but it was somewhere around 2016. So okay. Maybe somewhere there. That was the first time I really did anything with the 360. And then I didn't really touch it until about early 2019 um, when I started uh, repairing them more. And then I started modding them. 
So oh, I'm wow. I'm pretty late into the scene, but I, I find it to be a fascinating console uh, it for is. whatever reason. <laughs> so I've just really liked it, and I really like the approach of, of putting a chip in and, and glitching a CPU. That's been so interesting to me. It's not just something like, you know, a BIOS chip that just switches a flash or something. And then mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, it, it's grounding a line on the CPU for a very specific time. And then the CPU acts funny. And to me, that was just very intriguing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I, totally get you there, 100%, because that's where I was at with it as well, too. So, I mean, you're, like, aside from, like, the, the 2016, we're, like, 2019. Okay, that's later than I expected. But oh, yeah. this even this even kind of confirms a thing to me as well, too, where it's just, like, we're seeing all these developments for not just the Xbox, like, you with the 360, but then I've seen stuff on the PSP as well, too, with, like, work that Balika's done, uh, the yeah. PS1 and PS2 with not only like you know mechapone from balika big shout out to him but then you know like free psx boot from i uh, i'm not remembering his um brad lynn i believe that's it brad lynn like on the ps1 um even just like free dvd boot from c-turt on the ps2 you're seeing so many years later all of these amazing groundbreaking exploits oh, developments yeah. but yeah. even improvements and in my opinion it's very much a thing of you have all this fresh blood coming in, taking a look at it. There's much better reverse engineering tools, methods available. You have new, like quite literally new brains taking a different look at everything. And also a lot of the need or pretty much all the need and sometimes to monetize it is completely pulled out. So you have people that are doing this just for fun, just as a hobby, and they're going to put all their time and effort and love into it if they really have that mad love for what they're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think also another factor may be that the type of people using the system is a little different. Nowadays, I find a lot of people are using the system to play large game libraries that they have or nostalgia um, or things like that. And there's less of an emphasis, I think, on piracy, which is probably an early driver for many systems. Lots of people want to use them for piracy. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, that piracy is always a problem no matter when, but I do think that now, as as systems age, the people that get interested come in with different ideas of what they want to do with the system. For mm-hmm. me personally, I just like I just like uh, understanding something and and really understanding how it works. So that was really my drive to get into this was how does this work? Can I make this better? What can I do with it? And I'm sure that's probably the same for lots of other people that develop all those different. Uh, things is they want to understand the hardware and not just use it and um i think that's awesome personally mm-hmm. no i i love it so like i have octo i have mad respect for what you do and like i mean i oh, you, thank you. you've I hope i didn't know. come off too arrogant there <laughs> no not at all not at all like i tell people like, i've been saying for the last few years i'm like you need to put respect on octal's name like i appreciate <laughs> that yeah no there's been times and i'm sure you've seen it in public where i'm just like yeah no this dude needs a thanks because like this is like his code that we're using in his new developments and everything so yeah you are de- like current day right now you're definitely one of the people who's like keeping the 360 alive in terms of like the modding seat on there and pushing it forward. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm always glad that people can find enjoyment in what I'm doing. That's the whole reason why I distribute, you know, all my code is on GitHub. Everything's out there because I want, I, 
I do this because I want to enjoy it and I want others to enjoy it. And I'm really, I really hope that that's what's happening. And yeah, I really appreciate the kind words and uh, yeah, there's some other great people working on things. I know element is always tinkering away with his PCBs. He's always doing some awesome stuff. I tell you that X flasher, the first time I saw that dump a big block Nand in three minutes. Oh man. I jumped out of my chair. I mean, no more coffee breaks, you know? <laughs> yep, yeah, yep, yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, 15432, stuff he's doing even now. I mean, what he's done with RGH3 is incredible. I wanted to ask you about that. Yes, RGH3, what the hell is going on with this? Just from, like, an outsider look, and I don't know how much you can reveal, sure, so, like, if there's not too much, it's all good, but, like, from what I've seen from the outside looking in, just from, like, what's been publicly released, this, at this point, it's almost was getting back to like jtag style in which oh you just yeah need absolutely wiring. you're programming the nand in a certain way and then you're wiring up things but you're pretty much killing the need for a glitch board oh yeah you're spot on there so the for those of you that don't know the original jtag also called the smc hack it works with a mo- so the smc in the console has a small intel processor it's not like an x86 like your computer it's an 8051 and it's a very small CPU, and it's inside the south bridge. And it controls things like the DVD tray, the ring of light um, command, syncing a controller, power on and off, and so on. And you and that processor loads its uh, software off of the system flash that we can program. So the SMC hack, or JTAG, was a custom program, basically, that would inject certain commands to the GPU to exploit it. That's a very brief overview of how it works. Obviously, it's, it's sure. very complicated, and I don't even understand the JTAG exploit fully. Um, but the RGH3 is a kind of similar approach. It's running the code on that SMC to glitch the CPU instead of doing it from an FPGA like the Xilinx boards that we uh, currently use. Sure. And he's, he's an absolute legend for figuring out how to get that working. There were a few other people involved, but I'm not sure if they want their names out there. But he was the one that put it all together and really made it work. And, um, yeah, he's done amazing work on that. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the one limitation that, obviously, RGH3 had was that the SMC is a processor and not an FPGA. So it was a little bit slower, but he's worked around it. I'm not sure if I can reveal his secrets, but uh, he's he's found a solution, and it's it's damn reliable. It's nice and fast, and um, <sighs> yeah, there'll be some new stuff coming out soon. I I cannot I cannot wait for that. I just saw it. Oh, I it's could awesome! Not believe it. It's pretty much end game at that point, and it's taken ten years to get to this point because like the I I believe oh, yeah. the first RGH that I saw publicly was 2011. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised no one tried this earlier. Um, I would guess the motivation was, you know, with the slim, with that PLL bypass that I found, we have so much slowdown on the slim. It's five times more than the fats. So it gets us way more precision. And as of right now, I'm not sure um, whether he's gotten it to work on the fats yet because there's not as much precision there. So I'd have to guess the the reason it took so long is because there just wasn't the precision in the fats. And the Slims, we didn't have the PLL bypass. I'm wondering, I'll ask you on this, because this is something not only here, but also with the PS2 scene, I've even thought of this as well. Do you think it could be a thing of monetization? Because by that, I mean, whenever RGH3 drops, that's going to eliminate the need for a glitch board. So now, if this ended up dropping, let's say in like, 
2012, 2013, it would have completely disrupted the market. At this point, yeah, there's still glitch boards and stuff that are being sold and produced, but it's going to make less of an impact. So the people who would about, you know, eight, nine years ago who would know this knowledge, who'd figure this out, maybe some people even figured it out and kept it completely private just because of, you know, a monetary incentive. But I know I've talked with um, like Balika, for example, in regards mm, yeah. to uh what was it uh mechapone that was it and he was saying before it was something along the lines of really in short for anyone who doesn't know once you install mechapone on a compatible playstation 2 you can really have it so that it's going to play all regions of original playstation games backups of original playstation games um region free playstation 2 original games and even um, backups of ps2 games once you end up setting them up and booting them a certain way um point being on there is really if mechapone he he believes some of the work that he had to do was already probably done so many years ago in private and it might have just been kept private because if this ended up dropping 15 17 years ago it would wipe out the mod chip market like there might still be a need for some people but most people would be perfectly fine with just a software-based method that you can install this yeah i i'm not really sure about um whether that was i mean there's no doubt it would have disrupted sales and but i'm not really sure uh if anyone was working on this back then I haven't really been told much about it, All right. but absolutely. I mean, I can imagine, I mean, you had the team executor guys, you had the 360 squirt guys, and you had a few other groups that were working on chips. Um, some of them mostly popular in Europe or Asia, uh, not so much in the U S and uh, yeah, I imagine they would have been a little bit ticked off um, from losing that, but uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously you still have to buy a NAND programmer and uh yeah, they. Pro- I bet Team Executor would have probably developed some QSBs I for was, it, dude. Yeah, which would actually, be helpful on PLL. I'll tell you that much. I <laughs> was thinking of that actually because I remember even with the JTAG itself, like Team Executor couldn't make a chip for it, but they made quick solder boards right. that made the wiring much cleaner and easier. So they monetized it in that way. It wasn't exclusive to them. They just end up selling a product that you know they could make some bucks off that made it easier. Yeah, and maybe Element will come out with a qsb for that someday that'd be pretty cool to see especially that that pll point trips up many people it's very small um but uh yeah yeah element we hope you're listening (laughs) yeah i really think um if this had come out yeah it would have disrupted things absolutely but it would have been a huge step forward back then and i have i have no doubt that alexi could have done it back then i mean he's a genius absolutely He's, he's an absolute genius and I am more thankful than any could imagine that he was willing to share some of his intelligence with me and teach me some things. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a real bright mind. For sure. For sure. There's a, it feels like a lot of the talent that's pushing things forward in the 360 C now, it's just a lot of it. It's just all for the love of it. And there's some really bright minds there, including you, of course. Thank you. It's no problem. I, I, I love seeing it. Cause I just like, the thing is the 360 scene, like modding it. Is it convoluted? Yeah. Is it kind of complex? Yeah. Like, is there not like the most amount of homebrew? Yeah. There's not that much homebrew, but here's the thing because of the challenge and the weird complexities of, I love it so much. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see 
not only what people can do now, but what they've done in the past. I mean, I have, I've gone out of my way to buy older glitch chips, like the old score chips and, and so on, just to get the experience of what it was like to mod the system back in the day. I just find it so much fun. Even if we do have better methods these days, um, I like to see what people were doing back then and also maybe reverse engineer some of it and have mm-hmm. some fun with it. And the history of the scene is incredible. Um, the things people have done, it, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, well, that's why it's even, how do I say it? It's even just so, it's really rewarding doing that, but it, it's yeah. even, I, I'm sure you collect those chips as well too, just <laughs> oh, to have yeah. like that scene history. Yeah, yeah I think people think cool I'm insane things. at this point. I've got a wall in my closet just full of consoles and everyone is different in some way. Makes and, and makes me very happy to hear about and, that. Yeah. I mean don't don't worry, dude. I was doing <laughs> the same shit. So but I'm also not normal, so I'll fully acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah, some people collect silverware, some people collect, I don't know, little things. I collect Xbox consoles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that is what actually okay. The thing is, wh- I I collect consoles, which gets get, gets dangerous, and that is why oh, yeah. I will refuse to get into arcade hardware because it's big. It's very big, more to maintain. It can be expensive as well. So I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like the arcade hardware is cool. I respect it, but I'm dude. I wouldn't even get one of those like arcade one ups and like mod it from the inside out because I'm like, no. Because I know myself, yeah. that is a slippery slope. No. Oh yeah, that's piqued my interest too. Those machines, and I do. I've even at some point considered, you know, buying one and putting totally custom hardware in it. Like obviously not a vintage machine. I would never de- desecrate something like that. Oh, but God. but either some type of modern, uh, you know, kit that you can build, or something that's completely destroyed that's been parted out, something like that. <laughs> Just build it up with new hardware. But I know. Dude. I agree with you. I would do the same thing before you know it will be everywhere. I mean, I look around my room right now and I can see consoles everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I, I'm here with that. Yeah. I, uh, oh my God, there was one thing I saw that was horrific. Like this was a while ago. My girlfriend had ended up sending me a listing. I think it was on Facebook and uh, it was for a, oh my God, I don't even want to say it out loud. I'll say it was for a Marvel versus Capcom 2 arcade cabinet like already oh yeah an arcade favorite sought after game and all that stuff and the thing was broken but it wasn't just broken it was unfinished because the guy's like yeah i bought the thing and then he took out all the original parts like the pcb and stuff and then he ended up putting like a raspberry pi in there but he didn't finish the shit and i just i I flipped out when I saw that. I'm just like, no, what the fuck? If you're going to do that, build an arcade cabinet yourself or get one of those like arcade one-ups and just swap all the guts out. But you don't take an original, especially a classic like fucking Marvel vs. Capcom 2. You don't do that. That's pretty much like going into Egypt, finding a sarcophagus and saying, oh, this dead body in here is gross (laughs) and just throwing it out the back and then putting flowers in there because they're prettier. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it man. gets me heated oh man i agree with you on that and i mean i'm sure you've seen that image of the guy that took the xbox original prototype tower and, and like put something oh, in it god. oh that pissed me off and oh, oh my god man. i know exactly what you're talking about let's let let's do we need to, i think we need to summarize that for the masses here who are uninitiated on this yeah let me see if i can find that I 
you can you can fill in details if needed on here but from what i remember so the original xbox when it was being developed the original development kits maybe not the original original ones but the first ones like some of the first official ones the alpha kits oh shit i found they it. were pretty much just like big desktop computers um, that then had some specialized hardware in there as well too, and it was mainly the software that was customized because you know it was it, it was a workable Xbox. It, it was essentially it was a, it was an Xbox built into a computer, and that's what they were using to develop on them before they had the final Xbox hardware, like in that form factor that we all know and love. Um, so I believe what happened with these was they were still good workstations at the time. So when they were done being used. I believe Microsoft just ended up reformatting a lot of them with, you know, windows of some kind. I don't even think it was XP. Um, and they were just selling them to employees like, hey, if you want this, I don't know, 100, 200 bucks, something like that. And there was a kid, I want to say he was like 14 or 15 years old, where his dad, like true story, not not just like lying here, but it was like his dad worked at Microsoft and he had one of these alpha kits. So he took all the parts out, all the original parts, and he ended up building like the most <laughs> subpar desktop in there and just just ripped apart this piece of history that there could have still been something important on that hard drive that could have been salvaged, even if you had to use data forensic tools on there. And there were some people who were just like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then, of course, people like us are like, what are you doing? What's yeah, wrong what with you? Hell? Oh, the, yeah. The, I mean, even put a card the, reader where the disk drive is supposed to be. I mean, the, Jesus. I don't even remember the specs, but it wasn't even anything impressive was the worst part. Because it's like, you know, you're working with like a 14, 15-year-old budget. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but desecrating a hardware like that, that is just shocking. And I'm sure somewhere someone's done that with the 360s proto as well with the uh, Power Mac G5s that were used. I mean, just think about those. Um I mean, oh, I, 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 I've seen people build a, I no, I think it was the original. I want to say somebody ended up building a sleeper PC into like an original Xbox dev kit. Oh, um, man. So they're already, they're already, they're already desecrating that, but I think they were even like drilling parts of it and oh, everything Jesus as well Christ. too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> forcing pain upon you. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that has me messed up. I mean, I'm one, I mean, I'm not the biggest general collector out there. Some people are like, it has to be sealed. It has to be, you know, you can't open it. That's not so much me, right? But uh, yeah, and not only that, but some people say you can't even open it, like to change thermal paste, any maintenance that's needed, right? I'm not really like that. But the moment you start taking something rare and modifying it just to modify it, that just Mm -hmm. gets me angry. No mm-hmm. reason to do that, especially if it's part of history. It's something a rare item. It's one thing if they made you know eighteen billion, but if it's a rare item, you know, don't ruin it like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But even so, I try and be more careful about that too. Because I was it, funny enough. I was even. I think it was maybe because you know I was looking forward to this episode. But today, like I was, I was <laughs> walking my dog. And I had thought of this where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like 10 years ago and I've done a video like this before and it's it's off. It's 
private or like off the channel right now but it was like you know like a fake like how to fix up you know the red ring of death on a system because i had like a broken 360 and i pretty much just like destroyed the system drowned it in water and all that stuff and it's like yeah like oh like a meme video yeah exactly it's oh, like okay. ten, and it's like okay like 10 years ago when 360s were so rarely produced and they kept dying off and you can buy a broken one for five ten bucks or something and like there was no shortage of them because they kept just rolling off the yeah. assembly line okay yeah kind of funny but now it's like if that same thing happened like if i had even yeah because the 360 is not rare there's so many oh, yeah. out there but even so i even thought of it now especially with all the right to repair stuff i'm like you know i'd feel kind of bad if i did that like if anything i'd more just want to like if i had a system that red ringed if i wasn't going to repair it properly i would at least want to keep it on the side for something if i'm going to use it for parts or even get it into the hands of somebody who would make better use of it but i wouldn't feel good just you know like ripping it apart and destroying it just for fun uh especially because also they're they're not produced anymore oh absolutely i'm with you there i mean it can be a funny for a quick laugh but uh yeah if it's something rare can you imagine even that how how horrible that would be but uh yeah i mean for me personally i've never really been entertained by that type of content maybe i'm weird but um sure the idea of seeing something destroyed for me just it it's doesn't have much value for me. I like to fix everything ever since I was a small boy. Even when I was a small boy, I, I always was trying to fix everything. And now that I've grown up, I'm the same way. I like to fix everything I have myself, from my car to my computer to everything. That's and really good. So I don't like seeing things destroyed because I know it could be used in a better way. And I guess that explains why I have so much stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's good. That's that's making use of what you have. And even just like, even if you're not going to use it, like even refurbish it and you yeah, don't give it, it to get, someone get who it. needs it. Right. Exactly. Get to someone who's going to respect it and, you know, care and actually utilize it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. That's why, like, even when I like pick up like shot consoles from like game shops and all that, I like almost look at it as like a rescue mission. Like I can save you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, depending on what it is saving might even mean let's use this to help save something else i mean i have a box mm -hmm. full of boards that have had almost all their parts removed from them because they've been used to save other systems and that yes. is a great thing because there are many great parts that don't have to be thrown out you can reuse them you can repair and some parts even can be used to build your own stuff which is a lot mm -hmm. of fun yeah um, you know, even real quick, I want to bounce back to this because it's from almost like an hour ago. <laughs> I know when we were talking about, um, you know, consoles at thrift shops and everything, dude, at, at least I, it is definitely a location, location, location. Um, oh, yeah. Because I know where you said you're at, it's kind of dry. Where I'm at, it's kind of dry with thrift shops and such. From what I know, you go like the Pacific Northwest, you can get some amazing stuff over there. Oh, really? I know like, shout out to Adam Core. Like he went to pretty much, because they have specialized stuff. They have like a goodwill like center for example where you end up going through stuff that was just recently um it was just recently donated from all across the country and you pay per pound like for how heavy it is it's not the value wow. so it's like he got an xbox one for like five bucks his friend got an xbox one x for a little more than that because it's heavier um <laughs> Now, it's not like those crazy deals, but like my girlfriend lives up in Canada. I visited her recently and I went to a thrift shop there and I've never. So in my area, like I can find like Wii's and I used to be able to find Xbox 360's and PS3's like I never really saw them. I was shocked mm, yeah, when it's neither. like 
there was okay so you're gonna have the same thing here then so i like i went there once and i saw a ds light i got it it was like 20 bucks canadian great i went there another time they had a wii they had a 360 they had they were like pretty much it was like pulling them out of corners they had like five or six ps3s wow and i was just freaking out i was like oh god i can't i can't take them all no i can't i no, <laughs> i really can't take them all but i really want to because they were all really fairly priced too they were like 30 35 40 canadian wow yeah that's a that's not bad oh man yeah. i would love to see more things like that around but that's uh, never yeah, seen it anywhere I've been. It's all about the location. It's about the shop. It's about then the clientele who actually goes there. And it's even the people who know what they're doing. Like, for example, the, the like the guy who did the electronic stuff there, I didn't meet him, but I could tell like he fairly priced his stuff. He knew what it was. Like, for example, he put like the 360 out on the racks, but he put a note on there saying the hard drive and the cables and everything were in the back. So he separated all that stuff. Wow. Um, even like with other consoles, he knew like this power supply goes here and he would bag them up and like tie them together and everything. So whoever he was, like he was fairly pricing his stuff. He respected it. He did some tests, I'm sure, but he knew enough about everything he was working with. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I know a friend of mine, his name is, uh, well, he goes by Dr. House. If he's watching, hello. But he um, he has this lady that he met off some, uh, I think, Kijiji or some site like that. I apologize if I'm butchering your story. but uh, And she said, uh, I think her husband works at a salvage yard and he gets so many consoles from her. It's insane. He's, um, mm-hmm. he's gotten like come home with a car full of consoles. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, why <sighs> don't amazing. we have this in the U.S.? I would love to do that that's amazing yeah there's yeah been, absolutely there's insane maybe the closest i i knew of a person like that it wasn't with like a salvage yard or anything but there was a person i knew and this one i worked at a game shop so this is about like 2009 2010 uh he was cleaning up houses and all that stuff so i mean he found crack pipes he found needles he he showed me all these photos where it's like he found like a dvd case and he opened it and there was just like a, cra- a giant crack rock in there um <laughs> Yeah, and even I asked, like, what happened there? He's like, well, I laughed, I took a picture, and then I closed it and immediately called the police because, like, hey, I need someone to take this. I'm cleaning out this apartment. Um, But he found a lot of consoles. Now, unfortunately, because this was when 7th generation was hot, and he was disappointed by this. He never found 7th generation consoles, but he found a lot of Xboxes. He found PlayStation 2s. I don't really think GameCubes. Uh, The closest he got to, like, 360 and PS3 was people would leave behind cables. So he would regularly, because, you know, they're cleaning out this stuff. They're either throwing it away or they don't care where it goes. So he was regularly coming in and selling us most, like, original Xboxes. And even if we gave him, like, five bucks for it, he's like, well, I don't care. I paid nothing for this thing. And I get to, you know, hang out with you all, see my buddy who works at their shop and get a discount when I buy games. So, yeah, here, give me five, ten bucks for this Xbox I found. That's lunch for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but at the risk of also finding drugs, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've seen any system with drugs in it, but I know a friend of mine has. I think he found weed in an Xbox. Oh, how interesting. I got it in the Xbox, but uh... <laughs> interesting. I yeah. I know apparently the expansion port bay on the PlayStation Two fat. A lot of people hid weed in the back. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> That's yeah. kind of funny. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's been people who are just like, I had no idea what that thing was for. I just hid my weed in there for my parents. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh God, I love it. So I did actually. There there was one thing I wanted to discuss with you, which was um, in regards to we're actually going to bring it forward now to the uh, the Xbox One and the Xbox Series. Um, but recently, you know, for the twentieth anniversary of Xbox overall. Uh, Microsoft ended up, I believe it was 76. They ended up pushing 76 new titles from the Xbox 360 and original Xbox onto backwards compatibility. So they work on Xbox One, One S, One X, Series S, Series X. And of course, they're digitally available as well, too, which is great. Um, the only downside that came with that is they also said immediately after the announcement, uh, hey, guys, uh, this is it. We're we're not making any other games backwards compatible. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did see that, and I mean, it's awesome. I don't know how many, I don't know the entire amount of games that have been backwards compatible so far, but it's been a pretty good amount, especially the popular games. Um, mm-hmm. At least all the ones that I've had any interest in are available there, and uh, I mean, it's awesome that they're doing that to begin with. Obviously, I mean. For example, the OG Xbox, okay, yes, it has some platform in line with the new ones. You know, they're both x86, but obviously the new ones are 64-bit. It's a completely different system, different software. The, but the 362 is just so different. Mm-hmm. The the other thing with it as well, too, is when it comes to licensing and legality and how this is built as well, it's like the the original Xbox on the Xbox 360, like that was a software-based emulator that was on the xbox 360 that could do all of that i'm amazed they got that working as well as they did yes 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 but and that's beyond impressive to me um but the thing is on there and even like you know going back playstation 2 that plays all ps1 games because it essentially had you know the the, most of them had pretty much ps1 hardware built into them and it was done there the thing is with the xbox one and beyond all of these games have to be, for lack of a better term, recompiled or even like republished. So it's not just building an emulator and you pop in your disc and you're playing it from there. Yeah. You have to download. You don't play it off the disc at all. You have to download a Xbox One or Series specific build of that game, which means the game has to be republished, which means even if the game technically works perfectly, you have to have all the licensing done up on that game before you're putting it on the storefront yeah and and it really shows how powerful that um power pc chip was in the 360 that they they probably tried and found out an emulator just wasn't feasible um and i mean i think it's a great thing that they did as much as they did to get the backwards compatibility working and i know sony did this too i mean obviously the ps1 and ps2 but i think my favorite solution is the PS3, the original FATS, where they had the, you know, the two chips combined into one and on the board of the PS3. That was just, to me, just hilarious that they did that. And I, I think backwards compatibility is a great thing uh, to have that support. But obviously, I guess we do have to end somewhere. I mean, the 360 is what 16 years old it can't keep going i don't want to think about that but yes it is i don't want to think about that it makes sense that they're ending support for it um but you know it's it's great that they've published games while doing that it'd be one thing if they just said no no more right but that they've 
put games up to as a last kind of hurrah for these are our backwards compatible games is I think it's cool, but it's definitely the end of an era. Yeah, and and I think that's where the the disappointing fact of it is for me because I mean I, I'm even just looking at you know just the recent release here. Yeah, and I'm seeing like all the fear games are up on there, all the dead or live games are on there. Some of them are kind of questionable, like okay, like Disney Universe or Disney's Chicken Little. <laughs> like I I'm, I mean also like the licensing on that as well too. Like geez, that must have taken because it's Disney. But then you oh, have like yeah. the Atagi games for the original Xbox, like Manhunt, all the Max Paynes are on there. So like that stuff is really cool. It's just disappointing that, yeah, a lot of it, because when it came out at the end, when they made their statement, I believe they said something like, yeah, it just comes from like, you know, time and technical resources, but even licensing as well, too. And I guess I just wish that they would still go on because we're just starting oh, the yeah. Xbox series generation. So it's disappointing knowing that, hey, all the backwards compatibility stuff that we have right now, the Xbox and Xbox 360 games that work on Xbox One and beyond, that's all you're getting. No more. Yeah, it's definitely a sad thing. Um, I guess I guess I look at it as the upside being now that you know, it seems that both Microsoft and Sony, for that matter, are using a common platform being x86-64. Backwards compatibility will be easier to do in the future. So I guess they're just trying to move their resources to better distribute them. So I understand why they're making the decision. But yeah, it is it is pretty sad to see that there will be lots of games that will be left pretty much unplayable on the modern systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and- and even I know um, with the, well, both of these, well, the Xbox and Xbox 360 on these systems, like USB drives cannot, or USB peripherals cannot be emulated on yeah. the, um, you know, on the Xbox One and beyond for all these older systems. So if you have like your saves on a USB drive, you can't bring them over. Uh, any of the Rock Band or Guitar Hero games, that's out of the question. You can't play those on there either. Um, so if anything, I mean, it does kind of stress as well too. Uh, and this is even what I've said. If you if you want to play original Xbox games accurately and not worry about compatibility, get yourself an original Xbox. Same right. thing with 360. You want to play your games, you want to play your library, not worry about compatibility and all that stuff get yourself a 360 and that's even something i've said where it's like there's been people who have picked up a 360 mod it and everything but even the stock one you can play um original xbox games on there but i tell people it's like you're not going to be able to play all of them but that's more of a technical factor even if you use the hacked backwards compatibility files it will help but you're never going to be able to play all of them because of a technical issue and i had told people time and time again when this was rolled out on the xbox one People were saying, oh, just, you know, get the Xbox One and you can play all of your old games. And I was like, nope, you will ne- like be- because <laughs> of licensing. That's even that's even harder when it comes to licensing. That's even right. harder than the technical aspect there. I'm like, because of licensing, the Xbox One and beyond will never come close to knocking out a ton of the original or Xbox 360s libraries. Like you just and that's the, the games that are on there that are, you know, rebuilt for the system they're going to run and they're going to have all the really nice enhancements and stuff such as like frame doubling so a lot of games that were running at 30 frames are going to run at 60 you're going to have stuff playing it like like you'll have original xbox games that can play at native 4k or even 360 games and that's really cool to see i love all those enhancements so if you want to play enhanced version you can always do that 
But if you're trying to get, you know, your accuracy and not worry about compatibility and stuff, you're going to have to get the original hardware, just point blank. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, I'm not the hugest gamer, as you probably know. I've only played a, a handful of different games. But for me personally, I mean, if I'm going to fire up an older game that I've played, I would much rather do it on period correct hardware, whether that's an older console or just an older tower of some kind. I've always been the type that I want to experience an older game on this hardware it was made for because I think it makes the experience better. But that's just me personally for, for my opinion. I'm sure lots of the uh, uh, updated titles are fantastic, but uh, yeah, it, it's not been the biggest appeal for me personally. I and understand. In addition, the modern consoles just have not interested me that much especially since they're so similar to computers you know there's there's not really been a huge differentiating factor except maybe you know exclusive games and things and probably the online but other than that there's not much that has really interested me in those systems so yeah, i tend well, to gravitate to computers anyway mm -hmm. well even like what you were saying about the architecture and stuff on these newer systems and reallocating that is actually one thing i had wished for like i hated that these the eighth generation systems were not backwards compatible aside from the yeah. wii u that was compa backwards compatible with the wii um but when it came down to it for the xbox one and ps4 those were not backwards compatible with the older systems and I said, I, I don't want to redo this again when the new systems come out. Right. So it's nice that they're going to just stick to this and they're really just treating it like a PC spec. So if you have a Xbox One game, it's going to run the best on Xbox Series X, but it's going to be playable on the hardware from 2013. That's still fine. Um, and then same with the PS5. That deals more with backwards compatibility, but still even with the platform difference and such on there. Um, you can play your PS4 games on the PS5, and I, I don't have Xbox Series yet, but I do half-jokingly say this. I'm like, the PlayStation 5 is the best PS4 that you can buy at this point, because <laughs> I like most of the games I play on PS5 are just PS4 games, and I'm like, that's fine by me, because it's not like a PS4 Pro that screams at me when you're just sitting at a pause menu, and it plays all the games better, and they look better as well, too, so I see no issue with that. Absolutely. And I think it also has to do with that, you know, the development of systems seems to be not as quick as it was. When you look at the jump in technology from the original Xbox to the 360, and then the jump from the 360 to the one, well, yes, it's a big jump, but the jump from the OG to the 360 was way bigger. And I mean, mm -hmm. hardware in the early 2000s, especially evolved so fast, and then it evolved again towards 2010. But since then, I can't say I've seen huge leaps in the way games run. I mean, obviously, they look a little nicer, and they have ray tracing, and uh, but it's overall a similar experience, whereas if you look back throughout the period between maybe 1998 to 2011, you see that the experience changes so drastically yep. throughout the years, and the hardware changed, and the software changed so much that it really was an issue to keep a consistent experience. But now that we've kind of settled down a little bit more, I mean, the operating systems are compatible, so the games are going to be compatible. And, I mean, it really shows the point that now, you know, it is nice to have that ability to run all those games on the newer systems without any problems. That's obviously awesome. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think if there comes another big technological leap, then probably that will change. Um, as they'll probably need to be 
enough changes to the system itself that it will be hard to run the old games. But maybe I'm wrong and they'll figure something out. I mean, all those engineers are pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think the the nice thing that I've seen this generation has been like just starting off in the ninth gen here is that there's been such a focus on the performance. So really yeah. like not just graphics, but really just the frame rate and the importance of the SSDs that are on the new systems. And like that is something that has been important to me. So is it perfect? No, but looking at it, I, I absolutely love that the focus is more performance there and less of like, hey, let's make this as photorealistic as possible. It's like, no, 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 let's actually make this like real fun to play and have it oh, absolutely. feel nice when you're like playing a shooter like at 30 frames compared to 60 frames or even screw that, take it up to 120 frames. It's a big difference. I, I've talked about like Destiny 2 on here before where Destiny 2 pissed me off because, well, I mean, I haven't played it for a few months. I think there's some more bullshit going on with it that's with more the game environment itself. But when I went from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, I was pissed because I'm like, this plays like the same game. It literally starts out the first two hours like yeah, the same. Yeah, I've heard those, those complaints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then when I got my PS5, when I played the PS5 build of Destiny 2 that played at 60 frames, I'm like, oh my god, this is how Destiny should have been? This feels like a new game to me now and i actually started truly enjoying destiny 2 just because it felt so nice at that point oh absolutely and uh honestly i mean i don't see how graphics can get that much better i mean obviously they can look more realistic but maybe i'm the only one that thinks computer generated uh, images that look exactly like real life might look a little disturbing to me. <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but um, every time they show some of those demos of ultra realistic rendering, it just always looks off and and kind of like like I'm like I'm having a ruse shown at me. Like it doesn't look authentic. Mm-hmm. So I kind of yeah. actually prefer the way that it looks now, where it looks realistic and nice, but it's not over the top. So I agree with you. The emphasis on performance is great, especially in loading times. I can't stand loading times, whether it's my computer <laughs> booting up or anything. I, I want things to be done now, you know, like, and sure. so that type of thing is obviously awesome. Going from a hard drive to an SSD for the storage is, is massive. And yeah, that's going to make everything better. And obviously the improved processor, better frame rates. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. But I, I can't say that I would really think there's much more graphics development required i would say the next goal should be more towards let's make everything run smoother let's make it run cooler and quieter use less power i that's honestly where i would be looking because i can't see much of the graphics that need improvement even things like gta 5 look great in my Mm -hmm. view i can't see many faults with gta 5 when you have the settings turned up and and that's a game from what 2014 uh 2013 it's when it uh, came 2013 out. right yeah because it came it came out like two like one two months before the the eighth gen came out oh okay yeah and there were like yeah. two versions or something it was confusing yeah i'm still waiting on gta 6 i don't know where the hell that is no we're gonna get g oh, jesus christ we don't that's gta okay uh, um yeah no i was gonna say though when it came to the photorealistic stuff I- i've noticed as i've gotten older i prefer art style more because there's I'm not saying like I don't want photorealistic because when I when I'm talking about art style like Super Mario 64 still looks good to me. Yeah. And it's not realistic by any means. It's not. Yeah, but it's I just a game. like how it looks. Yes. Right. But then I'm thinking of photorealistic stuff and there's a lot of games where 
when they come out, they're very much a product of the time. Like this right, looks right. so realistic. It looks so good. When you go back to it eight years later, it doesn't really look that great. You see all the faults with it. And a lot of the new tech and groundbreaking stuff behind it just looks super dated and doesn't age super well. Um, right. However, when you look at another game, like I was even thinking of this with like graphical jumps, like take Metal Gear Solid 1998 on PS1, compare it to Metal Gear Solid 2. 2001 on ps2 huge leaps and bounds huge differences and that i would say was you know a pretty realistic looking game but even now because of the art style and the atmosphere created and crafted with that game it still looks good can you tell it's a game yes does it look super realistic now by today's standards no but you could see what they were doing and it doesn't look bad even 20 years later Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I mean, it's it's a matter of, I think, if the game is fun to play and the, the art style suits the game, that's more important than whether it looks real to me. If, if the way that it looks is fun and, and makes the game work, I don't know how to describe it well. I probably sound like a retard here. But, <laughs> but, if, but I think if the art style really fits the way the game is and the story is, that is much more important than having it just look exactly like real life, mm-hmm. at least for me. Sure. I mean, I, I can enjoy many types of games where the graphics are lower, but if the game is a good game, I'll enjoy it just as much as I'll enjoy a modern game. Because, you know, I'm not trying to watch a movie here and look at tiny details. I'm trying to play the game. For sure. For sure. And then even once you're in the midst of the action, everything, you're not paying attention to all the little details. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do kind of have this like near the end because I think it'd be good to kind of wind down here. But I know you've said a few times you're not really a gamer, but like (laughs) we've talked about games and all that. And I guess I'll ask you, like, what games are you currently playing, if anything? So actually, I am currently about, I would say, maybe 30% through a replay of Grand Theft Auto 4, which is one of my favorite games of all times. I know a lot of people didn't like the driving physics stuff, but I actually love that game. And it was one of the first games that I ever played. So I'm actually replaying that game on a period correct hardware on a old uh, Core 2 Quad and an ATI 3870 X2 video card. That's what mm-hmm. I had at the time and enjoying it. It's been a nice blast from the past. So Wait, so you're playing on PC? Yes, yes. I oh have played God. the 360 version, but I actually enjoyed the PC version more um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I, I I played it a bit on PC. I had fun with like the mods and stuff on there. At one point, I was driving around <laughs> as an elephant, <laughs> like literally an elephant in oh, a man. convertible. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done too much modding of the game, but uh, I really like I like the story. I thought it was much better than GTA Five story, and obviously causing random mayhem is lots of fun in the game. And it was it was quite a mature story in Grand Theft Auto. Um, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it, but it was and and I need to give it another play. I think it's available on uh well 360 of course, but also like Xbox One, Xbox Series. So I'll probably play yeah, it yeah. on like Xbox One X. Um, Hardly I, optimized I, game though. I mean, <laughs> on PC, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yes. done great on the consoles, but on PC, I mean, oh geez, <laughs> don't yeah, know what they were it, thinking there. I've only I've only beat it once and I remember I was I was definitely one of those people that was so torn I'm like you know even I think I even like did a written review of it and I was like this game is really good but 
at the same time, I don't want to go back to it. I don't know why. And I do know really? the, the the physics just felt so floaty and weird to me. But the game looked damn good at the time. And it was definitely Hyper. Really? I, I actually love the driving physics. I always I thought the uh, you know arcade style was too like perfect. Hmm. And I kind of liked the way that the cars kind of slid around a bit. And it was more like it would be in the real world if you drove at those speeds. Obviously, in a game, you know, it, it looks way slower. But um, I actually quite enjoyed the physics. So, But gotcha. it does seem to be the common conclusion that, that it was not right. And obviously, they hmm. reverted with GTA V. But yes. uh, I actually really yes. enjoyed it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm impressed that you're using pure correct hardware on PC of all things. So props <laughs> to you on that. Yeah, it actually runs pretty decent on there. Once you you just gotta find the settings that work best for your hardware, and I've I've got it overclocked a bit, but uh, for sure, that, it it binds together the whole experience to me to be using you know the system that I originally played that game on, and it just pulls it all together, and I really enjoy that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. At one point. I'd seen a video Scott the Waz did about emulation and uh, yes. talking about peer correct stuff. He did bring up a good point where he said it's just even the controller will make a big difference. Like emulation's not bad, but like he played Super um I think it was Super Mario Kart on an emulator. He's like, Oh, this isn't anything special. What's up with this? But then he played it on Super Nintendo with a Super Nintendo controller and it just clicked. And it was like, Oh, this feels good. I understand now. This makes sense. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah 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 and hmm yeah, i don't know what it is with me but i cannot aim for shit on a controller at all i really don't know why i just I, suck at it keyboard and mouse i can like aim that. but for some reason i over i overcompensate everything and i, I just don't know why <laughs> so maybe that's that's part of like, the reason why i've enjoyed the pc version more Sure. Factually, controllers are not as accurate as keyboard and mouse. Keyboard and mouse is going to be the most accurate. And dare yeah. I say, it's even easier as well, because it's not like you don't need the aim assist on there. You're not, you know, using an inaccurate control. Like I love controllers, but I'm just acknowledging their faults there. That is why console games do have aim assist. That's why if you plug a controller yeah. into a PC and play a game on there, if it has control compatibility, you're probably going to have aim assist enabled by default on that. But when it comes to PC, like with a keyboard and mouse, it's more accurate and it is easier. Like that's factual there. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think, uh, racing games are real good on a controller versus a keyboard though. That's, oh, I yeah. think maybe the exception to the rule is, um, cause you get the fine steering control instead of having to tap the A key, like every two seconds perfectly, you know? <laughs> also, I don't know for me, I like the vibration features on controllers and my keyboard and mouse just does not vibrate. Yeah. I, I, I think when done right, I can enjoy them, but there were, I can't remember the name of the game, but there was one game where it was way overdone. The controller was vibrating too strongly and too much. And I just turned it off cause it was just annoying. Sure. But yeah, some, some games have done it real well. On on controllers, I do know people who play competitively have disabled vibration on their controllers. Some people uh, no even doubt. take out the uh, they mod their controllers by taking out the rumblers on there to lighten it. But even so, the people who don't modify their controllers, they will disable vibration just because they're trying to aim and be precise with a controller, and their controller is shaking in their hand. <laughs> they don't want that. So competitively, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I'm actually curious, when you have to aim precisely, like, do you have a specific method that you 
used to do that. I mean, have you ever seen Halo Claw? I uh, don't think so. Oh, God. Let me look up, see if I can look up a video about this. And this isn't even really specifically for aiming on here, um, but it's more just so you can do multiple things. Like, well, so you could aim, so you could do other commands, but not have to lift up any of your fingers or move them mm. around all that Interesting. Much. Yeah, so I'll like send you that. There, there's a few photos here, and anybody who's you know checking this out, just seriously, just go to Google Images, look up Halo Claw. Um, it's <laughs> a, it's an ugly looking way of handling the controller, but like it actually works for people who know what they're doing with it. Wow. Yeah, and it makes sense because the main benefit of Halo Claw is that you can press the face buttons and you can aim. So you can press the A button to jump while also aiming. You can do those two at once because you're using like a thumb on the right thumbstick and your index finger probably on the A button. So you're just able to do both of them at the same time. You don't have to move your thumb from the face buttons to the thumbstick. Yeah, I've never seen that before. I might have to give that a try because oh, oh, I've definitely yeah. been in that place where I'm you know, using the button, I'm like, oh, crap, got to move the view, yep. you know? <laughs> yep, yep. Introducing you to Halo Claw, what have I done? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try that out. That's never seen that before. Hmm. I hope it works out well for you. Yeah, so what games are you playing? Oh, boy. Uh, Let's see. We... We didn't have to get on this. It's fine, just because <laughs> I would have ranted a bunch. Um, but uh, I've been playing the Grand Theft Auto Three, the Trilogy Definitive Edition. Ah, what are your thoughts um, on that? Uh, it boots. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Three is my all-time favorite game. Um, I mean, I, I'm hoping by the time this episode comes out, I'll either have a video about this or it'll be coming out shortly after. But it's just even at one point, so. This came out at like the same time there was the big Animal Crossing update and the DLC. And my girlfriend's like, hey, you can play Grand Theft Auto and we can like sit here. I'm going to enjoy Animal Crossing. And like she's like telling me about like all the new updates and stuff that are there. And like, oh, yeah, I could do this and this and this. And I'm like, I should be like, I was excited getting into Grand Theft Auto 3. <laughs> and I'm playing it and I'm just like in my head i'm like i want what you have with animal crossing like that's what i want right now and she even asked me she's like how is it like are you liking it and i just i sat there i'm like i don't know i don't know if i i don't know if this is good i don't know if i like it it's something that resembles grand theft auto 3 but not and quite it, and it and it boots like <laughs> those are my thoughts on it so far i can have fun with it but my God, like, there's also a lot of stuff that has been really messed up there with the art style, with the performance, with the sense of direction that was happening here. And it's even the, it's like, it's when you have somebody who's not skilled do a thing and they try way too hard to overcompensate for their lack of skill. But I also don't think it's fully lack of skill with this development team. I can also tell this is a very rushed product. Yeah, and I think I, I shot you a picture there. The the joke about the tough nut donuts having oh. the nut on top, and then they they just smoothed it into a circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was that. There was the oh, AI upscaling laughing. and everything with like any text in game. So a lot of text is completely different, or it's yeah. misspelled, or what have you. Yeah, because you know yeah. if you've played those 
um, 3D universe Grand Theft Auto games, you know that there's corners everywhere. Every curve is a corner. Yeah. So when they probably you know ran their algorithms to get rid of all the corners, it just smoothed everything. <laughs> That's what people <laughs> are saying. Too well, far. He, even some stuff like I was in a mission. Like I just um, did a ray mission in uh, Grand Theft yeah. Auto Three, where you have to go into the bathroom and you're talking with Ray, and I noticed this. There's like because it's a bathroom. There's like four mirrors in there, and in the reflection, there was bricks, giant bricks in the reflection, and like red bricks. I'm like, where <laughs> are these from? There's nothing red inside the bathroom. <laughs> There's nothing red. Where did this come from? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. I I just saw it. Like little, I was I was capturing gameplay like right before I was talking to you. Oh man, that's that's hilarious. I, I don't know how that would even happen. I don't know either. I don't because I, I'm not a developer. Maybe it was on this. some I don't... Easter egg that like got pulled through or something. Jesus Christ! It better not. Be. <laughs> it was bricks. Octo. It was bricks. Oh jeez, that's yeah. something. Yes. Um. Yeah. The, I mean, the other games I've been playing. Um. For anybody who's listened for a while, I'm still doing my Ring Fit Adventure. Like, getting you know, getting work like a good workout with that. Still hate the dragon, <laughs> but it's fine. Um. I also played. Uh. I picked up. I've been playing a little bit. Um. With my girlfriend, I've been playing. Um. Mario Party Superstars, which was really fun, and I think they kind of just did like it's kind of just like a greatest hits and like a really well done version of Mario party, which is kind of what people were hoping for from super Mario party without that one being a greatest hits. Um, so there's been that. And then the last game I played, which like I got introduced to this at an arcade, like there was a couple arcades that we had gone to and Octo, have you heard of Taiko or Taiko no Tatsujin? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so if you've ever been to an arcade, have you seen, like, a a big cabinet with giant drums on it? I actually have not been to an arcade. I actually, oh, okay. uh, well, we, we gotta growing up, that. I had no video games at all. Um, oh, God, I didn't I get so introduced sorry. to any of this stuff until, really, my health problems started and I was home a lot more. Then I sure. started getting more into electronics and gaming and all this. But um, before then, no, I, I didn't have any video games at all. So not to experience gotcha. there. Gotcha. We'll have to fix that at one point. <laughs> but when it comes to Taiko, um, I mean, people can look up Taiko, T-A-I-K-O or Taiko no Tatsujin. Um, and it is just, yeah, I'm we had been now. to a couple. Yeah, we, we've been to a couple arcades. I'd always seen it. I always kind of shied away. I'm like, you know, I don't want to make a fool of myself in public. And my girlfriend's like, yo, okay, we're playing this. Like, you've never played it. We're playing this. <laughs> I played it and I wanted more. It was like a drug. It was so fun. Really? And several hundred dollars later, I now have my own Switch set up where it, it released digitally in the US, but not physically. So I had to import uh, Drum and Fun from it's a uk import because i i can tell like with the rating and stuff um i got a second japanese drum so like drum and fun comes with a drum i got a second drum uh i got a japanese import of the other two like musical adventures that are on one cartridge and then on top of that 
Um, one big shout out to a gentleman I, I believe called the the Green Viper Eight on Twitter. One thing that's been so cool when I shared this on Twitter is the Tyco community is just so welcoming. They're just like, yeah, uh. one of us, one of us, you should do this, or you should try this, or you should try this other thing. And the reason why I'm shouting out Green Viper here is because they had recommended. Um, they linked me to like an Etsy page and they said, you should get this mod. And so I got both these drums and one of them I didn't even use before I tried it. I literally opened it up before I even tested to make sure the drum worked. But on the drums themselves, there is, you know, like that actual top of the drum. Then there is sensors underneath it when you open it. And underneath the sensor, there's a piece of foam for the backing there. Apparently, it, it is lighter, but it doesn't feel as good when you hit it. It's also not as accurate. So there are mods that can be done where you could either print in, like use a 3D printed insert to replace that foam, or the one that I used was a piece of wood that was cut to cut to fit that, like perfect height, width, size, everything. And it truly makes it feel like the arcade version when you're playing it. Because the second drum, I was smart, I actually like, tried it out beforehand and like it feels okay but you can tell something's off but once you mod it like put that piece of wood in there or kind of just put something that fills that properly that is not foam it feels so much better ah I've no, yeah i've never heard of that it's very fun that's yeah i've never heard of any game actually like that that's very oh, interesting it's very fun i recommend playing it i'm <laughs> uh, it's it's a sickness now it's taken over yeah, I, I didn't know they made that types of games with that thing, actually. Mm. Wow, no, they, that shows how out of touch I am. <laughs> they've been around for it's a while. 2001, wow. Yes, yes, it's been at least 20 years, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something to add to your game list, then. Something to try out. I, I hope one day you can get to an arcade, and I hope they have a Tyco. <laughs> yeah, I'll look into that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, I mean... Dude, Octal, Josh, it's been great having you on. Great talking to you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I Thank really you for appreciate having it. me. Yeah, it's no been fun. Dude, no problem. Like, I hope I didn't I've... ramble too much. <laughs> the thing is, I think people like the rambling because it's very knowledgeable and it just shows like, you know, you're passionate about whatever you're talking about and there's just a good conversation going on. So that's how we can go on for like two hours and it feels like it was 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking and talking and talking about stuff that nobody even cares about. But, uh, but if they but do, that's... I mean, that's awesome. That's the beauty of the internet because you can find other people who are into the very weird specific niche shit that you think you're the <laughs> only one about. And it's like you go, there's like, wait, there's so many people that are into the same thing. This is cool. I love it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me on. Dude, no problem. No problem. Uh, I do want to give you the honors of this. So typically what I do at the end of these episodes of Mario's Minute is I pick a keyword or a key phrase. And if you end up using, like you as a commenter, as a listener, if you go to the YouTube upload of this and use this keyword or key phrase in your comment on the upload, Octo and I will both know that you've made it to the end of this episode. So I'm going to actually pass it on to you. What do you think the keyword or key phrase should be? Well... I'm going to just guess at random and say that the key phrase should be airport because an airport is a great place where you can come and go to different places, experience different worlds and cultures, and see people that you care about. So that's going to be my word. Okay. 
All right. Well, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone listening is having a great evening. For sure. And, for uh, sure. Yeah. Thanks I, again I, for having me on. No problem, man. I, I guess the very last thing from you here, you know, I, I typically put these links down below in the description, but like, where can people find you online if they want to, you know, converse with you, talk to you, you know, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I have my YouTube channel just under my name, Josh Davidson. Uh, mostly it's just random shit I do with the Xbox. If I find it interesting, I post it, some of my developments there, and occasionally some unrelated topics. That's pretty much about it. I don't really use social media personally. I've just found it invades your life, so it's not for good. Me. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, gotcha. So, uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, in the description of this, I'll just go ahead and link your channel. Yeah, thanks, we'll man. be all good. Hey, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of Mario's Minute. Thank you all so much for listening, watching, tuning in, everyone. Really appreciate you all coming out, you know, month to month. Or even if this is your first episode, this is awesome. But anyways, I think that's about it for this episode here. If you enjoyed this episode of Mario's Minute, you can go ahead and leave a like on the upload. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well, too. But as I always say, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next month.